Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by libertarian Bruno Barron, Democrat Peter Garapay, Republican Jeannie Ives, and liberal David Masiotra. Our program tonight coming to you from the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studios at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. Nice to have you with us. Our phone line's open at 1-800-723-8029. That's toll-free, 1-800-723-8029. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's beyondthebeltway2019 at gmail. And if you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And, of course, uh, you can find us on beyondthebeltway.com. That's the audio and video portion of tonight's broadcast, but also previous shows. And, of course, we are live tonight on Facebook, and we are live tonight on YouTube around the world. So it's nice to have you with us wherever uh, you are tuning in this evening. And, again, uh, as usual, uh, we have a full two hours of discussion based on just what happened this past week. And I want to begin uh, with our guest by asking the question. Uh, President Trump has said that the White House is going to withhold cooperation uh, in the request for subpoenas from the House and their investigation until Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, calls for a full House vote on impeachment. David Masiotro, you're our liberal tonight. What do you think of that uh, demand by the president? Is it fair or unfair? It's typically self-serving and absurd and, and boorish and buffoonish. Uh, if I had more time, but you asked that I was brief, I would come up with more adjectives. But I, I do have some sympathy for his request that Pelosi hold the vote right away. Because as, as long as they could uh, ascertain the entire transcript of the phone call, that to me would be sufficient on whether or not to proceed with the impeachment. Jeannie Ives, you're our card-carrying Republican tonight. What's your answer to that question? I don't think any American can look at what the Pelosi-Schiff cabal is doing and say that that is fair for, to anybody. Take the vote, decide if you really want to go down impeachment inquiry, and then that allows the minority party also to subpoena documents and participate in the proceedings right now. It's completely a partisan uh, proceeding that they're putting forward, and that is not fair to anybody. David Garapay is our Democrat. David, nice to have oh, you with us. Peter. Peter, what did I say? That's, David's a great I'm, name, I'm, I'm, and he's Peter. with us this <laughs> evening as well, sitting next to me. Peter, anyway, nice to have you should every uh, member of, of Congress have to vote up or down on this? You know, I'm, I'm actually fine with requiring a vote. However, to have the President of the United States request something, it should be taken seriously. And not to relitigate something that happened in the past, but that should also be included with a Supreme Court justice. Whether it was Merrick Garland... Have an up or down vote in the Senate, and the same thing. If but the president—that's that, that, that's passed. I mean, it, it, right, it is right in the now. Past. The, the subject that the subject before the House and the nation at the moment is: Should the president of the United States be impeached? Well, and this it also, seems to me that Republicans and Democrats all have an opinion on this. Why shouldn't the elected officials of Republicans and Democrats, people, why shouldn't they vote up or down on it? Then I, I would like to see the process codified because as of now. This will only be, what, the, the fourth 
impeachment proceedings in the history of our country. So in many ways, they're flying by the seat of their pants or they're looking back to the Clinton proceedings for the last two, the last two times it happened, the House did vote. Mm -hmm. So and and that's why to clear up any uh, confusion, codify it. So put in in the event that an impeachment inquiry begins. The House must vote. I'm, I'm fine with that if it then remains consistent because President Trump will not be the last president, regardless of party, to face an impeachment inquiry. I agree with that. Bruno um, Barron is our libertarian tonight. I don't think there's much that anyone has said this evening yet that I disagree with, so I can leave it to them. I think uh, I, what I like to do is remind people that impeachment is not a political, it is not a <clears throat> legal process, it's mm-hmm. a political process. So everyone that's doing anything about impeachment is playing a political game. And obviously it's all inside of uh, legal procedures in the House and the Senate uh, to the extent that uh, it's... But it's all left up to the House and the Senate to make up their own rules on how they do this. So they can all go by the past. They can all go by what uh, somebody says. But all Trump is doing here is setting the stage for the back-and-forth process about what's going to take place here, and we'll see what the Democrats But do. if it's a political game, why don't you send it into the political arena and let people vote on it? That's right, and we have an election about 13 months away, yeah. and uh, the Trump is going to be on the ballot this oh, time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, okay. I'm talking about an impeachment vote in the House. Sure, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly right. Weeks. I mean, oh. people I agree know with you there. or don't know enough. That's well, right. David. Well, one caution that I would have that my... <clears throat> well-dressed uh, Republican co-panelists <laughs> might find appealing is that the constitutional framers intended for the legislative branch to have more power than the executive branch. And over the past several administrations, we've seen the powers of the executive branch grow wildly out of proportion with original intent. And it's uh, consistent with Trump's personality to make those demands, but it's also consistent with how the president has routinely, Bush, Obama, now Trump, treated Congress as a subordinate branch of government, when in reality the founders intended it the opposite. So the counterpoint, not to contradict myself, perhaps I'm like Walt Whitman containing multitudes tonight, but the counterpoint to my earlier argument and Trump's argument is that we've just had a second whistleblower come forward. Mm -hmm. What that whistleblower is going to divulge, we do not yet know. It could just be a rubber stamp on the first whistleblower, but but it could be some revelation, some new insight. So why not wait to see? No, but, but, well... We well, they didn't wait to see anything, though. They didn't wait to see anything right. before impeachment. They didn't wait for the transcript to come out. They didn't wait for the complaint to be given over, even though all that was said they were going to do. The cry for impeachment started with Schiff, and then it moved to Democrats, and then finally Pelosi gave in to her caucus <clears throat> even prior, knowing that they were going to release documents. They just decided they're going to impeach well, prior and, to that, and here's, here's one or at least inquire to impeach. Is that, I mean, so, like you said, 13 months away from the election— I have a feeling that, I mean, my goodness, maybe even six or eight weeks from now, tonight, or or the topic of the impeachment inquiry, will feel like it was two years ago. Yes, that's so true. much is happening mm-hmm. so quickly, and so that's why when it is, you know, should they vote? Shouldn't they vote? Should they require one? That's why I really say codify it because. 
things like this will come up again. And if anything does come out of this, because I don't see the president getting convicted in the Senate, and I say that as a Democrat, I just don't see it happening at all. And so we're simply going to go through this exercise, and then the whole focus will simply turn on to the Democratic primary so, and then the general election. No, but so Peter, Peter, Peter raises a good point. Like, uh, as David said, mm-hmm. you know, we have a second whistleblower now. We may have mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whistleblower, this whistleblower, whistleblower number two, <coughs> He's not going to report anything that's good news for Donald Trump. Would right. you acknowledge with that? Yes, of and course. And if there's a third, fourth, I mean, they're not going to they're not going to say good things about Donald Trump. So if if that die is cast, all I want is I want all members of this House to say yes, let's proceed with the uh, inquiry, or let's call it off. That's all. I, and I, and, and I'll, 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 I'll take an up or down to, vote It on works that. to Pelosi's benefit to do that. The faster she can get this off her plate, the better as well. <laughs> Michael Moore said Fine. do it immediately. Otherwise, you look weak and reluctant, um, and it doesn't play well. Moore and I are on the same side again. <laughs> no, you guys, you can, should put your two arguments <laughs> together. Crooked teeth may embarrass kids whose families can't afford braces. And trying to fix their teeth themselves can make things worse. Luckily, there's Donated Orthodontic Services, a program from the American Association of Orthodontists. For children and teens who qualify and are matched with a volunteer orthodontist, treatment can be life-changing and help them smile with confidence. Learn more at aaoinfo.org. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain, and reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce, come on back in Chicago. I want to pick up on what Bruno had to say. Bruno, you said that you think Speaker Pelosi, she she wants this done quickly. So is that the reason? Go ahead. I I think she took this opportunity for this situation, which, again, is one of the things that Trump, for all his talents and lack of talent, uh, does seem to be a pretty good bungler. But I think she took this opportunity to to satisfy the far left of her caucus and the progressives and throw impeachment into the mix, because the sooner impeachment is over for her, the sooner she can start preparing for keeping the House, <coughs> strengthening her seats in the House. The Democrats can worry about taking out Trump. So I think what they're doing here is a little bit of strategy. I, I'm skeptical. I mean, look, at any given moment in time during the whole Russia collusion thing, I was saying maybe they get Trump, maybe they don't get Trump, but I'm a little bit suspicious that there's enough there to take him out. I feel the same way about these whistleblowers, but the sooner <coughs> that the Democrats... I I don't know what their strategy is. Maybe their strategy is to put the Senate on record so that if things break their way, they can say these people in the Senate voted to quit Trump and so on and so forth. There's interesting... Yeah, but they want to to do that in the Senate, but they don't want to do it in the House. Well, I mean, your point point is well taken. I think that she she succumbed to the pressure of of AOC and and the squad and the left wing of the the House. She, she, She kneeled to them. But again, she's also she's a very smart cookie. She also realized, I think one of the reasons why she came, you know, screaming to this this decision was she knows there's about 30 members, moderate members of the House who who won in Trump districts. And if you ask them to vote up or down, 
how it's going to make it a tough vote for them. Yeah, but, but I, that's why her own. If you're, a member, <clears throat> if you're a member of Congress, and I know, Jeannie, you want to go there, we'll talk about it later. Especially at this time, if you want to be a leader and you want to go to Congress, vote. Stand up for your position. If you get primaried, so what? Stand up for what you believe in and fight for it. Well, here's As opposed to having the speaker say, I'm mm-hmm. going to give protection. We're going to give cover to 30 Democrats because I don't want to lose control. I certainly... If it's, if, especially when she's waving herself, wrapping herself in the Constitution, that it's what the founding fathers wanted. I agree with that. Up or down vote. I certainly agree with you your think. advocacy of political courage and transparency. However... With all due respect to both of you, it seems you have a a narrow read on how we came to this position. I mean, there is a transcript of Trump doing what appears to be a violation, a flagrant violation of federal election law, leveraging American foreign policy for political advantage against the Democratic candidate who is currently the front runner for the nomination. Uh, that is something that demands an aggressive response. That's not so simply courage- subservience to courageous Democrats far that are, left. That are, where are the courageous Democrats standing up and saying that? Well, well some yeah, of you see, mentioned I agree them. with you. I agree. Some, Let's some of them it. you mentioned. The squad is part of that uh, well, Bruce, courageous here, here's the coalition. Thing that, and the rest of them are weak. And she's more, yes. she, even and though she's wrapping herself in the Constitution, she's more worried about electing 30 Democrats to keep her as the speaker. You're entirely, than she is you're about entirely right. And, and Republicans are much correct. better fighters than Democrats. Here's, here's, Say that again? Re- Republicans are much better <laughs> fighters than Democrats. I don't agree with that at all. Here's, I don't here's either. The, here's I've the thing that really concerns, concerns me. Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter. Here's Republican the thing party. that concerns me that the president is not going to get convicted. In the Senate. So therefore, I mean, if the president won, if he played the Powerball and won, he would claim that he made the money. He didn't win it. If he then goes and gets acquitted (laughs) in the Senate, he would claim that he is exonerated. And he will take that one line all through his campaign to say everything they've ever charged me with. So you you have no confidence in the Republicans in the Senate, other than Ben Sass and Mitt Romney, and I could name probably five or six others who would probably vote against Donald Trump. You think that there's no way in the world no. the Republicans will have enough integrity to vote against the president. Wait, Bruce, can you repeat that? The Republicans would need integrity to vote against the president? Hmm. Just, I, I, just, yeah, just that's just, an interesting framework there. How is it took integrity I, I, you know, Democrats this is, to this, vote against I, I, I don't think he's going to. <laughs> I don't think he will get convicted in the Senate. I think the longer it's drawn out, he won't out, get convicted because he's not guilty. The Democrats. Okay. He, he won't get convicted because he's not guilty. Here you guys are deriding <laughs> the fact that he had a conversation about corruption with, in Ukraine. But it's and also yet not a criminal three, trial. Excuse me, it, it's three, a political one. Three Democrat senators last year, including our very own Dick Durbin here from Illinois, um, sends a letter to the Ukraine and says, we're going to withhold aid if you don't actually um, comply with the Mueller investigation, if you don't, you know, pony up information helping them with that. And they get off scot-free talking about corruption. And Donald Trump wants to get to the bottom of the line about 2016 corruption, and you guys have a problem with that. You can't have it both ways. No, that's, that's, that's my that's, point. You cannot have it both ways. Dick, they interfere, Bruno, too. Bruno's got a comment, and then we'll go back. It, it, look, I'm a little bit... <clears throat> I mean, I'm a conservative, and I generally am pro-GOP over, over the Democrats, particularly in this uh, climate. But let's not pretend that all of this isn't politics. I, I read a mm-hmm. clip today, and I just put it on my Facebook page, that 
JFK bragged about how he looked into rich Republican donors' tax records. LBJ did all manners of things. <laughs> um, the kind of stuff that, the, the idea that it's like when, when David was talking about this horrible thing that Trump apparently did, and I, I, it reminds me of that scene from um, uh, the, the bomb movie, uh, what's uh, the... Dr. Strangelove? Uh, Dr. Strangelove. Gentlemen, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Um, I mean, this is <laughs> the, the idea that presidential and senator Senate and, and senators and congressmen haven't used the, their power of the purse and their, their offices to maybe get a little thing over here and get a little over there. We know Obama did this. We know that Bush did it. We know that everybody did it. And what I think is interesting about Trump, I mean, he is a bungler of sorts, but he's also this kind of a scoundrel who stands up and says, I'm the scoundrel. Look at what's been going on here for the last 50 years. And I think what's happening is the American people are like, meh. You know, so maybe they get him on this. I don't know. Well, I, what I would say to that is <clears throat> if, if 99 impaired drivers due to uh, high volume of alcohol consumption make it home without a traffic ticket or a stop, <clears throat> that's not an argument for letting the 100th get by the roadblock. So even if what you're saying is entirely true, uh, John Adams said we're a nation of laws, not men. Our laws <clears throat> must have some weight behind them. And here we're presented with, again, a transcript of evidence that is worthy of pursuit. David, let me ask you a question. We talked about this last week. I want to get this from our Democrats. Do you think this conversation between the President of the United States, this President, Mm -hmm. and this President of the Ukraine, do you think that's the first time the President, a a President of the United States, has ever had a conversation about investigations in another country with another leader of the free world. Do you think that's ever happened in the history of the country? Oh, of course, yes. Okay, so then what makes this one unique? Well, By the way, let me ask you, you one You know other what makes it question. unique? Trump <clears throat> let the transcript go. He fully disclosed it, and that is what has never not, happened in the but, past. But only yeah, after they placed it on covert no, no, servers. No, no. Wait a minute. He did, still did not first have to attempted to conceal the transcript. No, I, well, he had all the you rights to do it. That. Executive privilege. Nobody else has revealed a personal transcript of a phone call between them and another leader uh, and a Second nation. question to my Democrats. Ever. Do you think he in did. the history of the, of the country that when a President of the United States talks to a foreign leader about doing him a favor, Mm -hmm. whatever that favor might be, that the United States is probably is in a position to provide uh, uh, money foreign aid to that country, and that subject may have come up in the past. Well, Peter, I, I, uh, I think we should define that the favor is political in nature. If it's helping to extradite an American or, or a hostage situation, it's I money, think appropriated that's money. Yeah, that's the difference no, 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 you didn't no, no, include no. in your first question. The favor that, okay. that, that, that the American to the political one opponents one of time, Donald Trump. One, one other time. Go, go ahead. I think, I think it's, it's the nature of the favor that is being requested. And where I... I've never worked in national intelligence, but when a member of that community raises their hand and says, this is abnormal and it's concerning, I want, even if it is against uh, a president with whom I am aligned politically, if a member of the CIA who reviews those records says, this is abnormal and this is concerning, I certainly hope it is reviewed. Now, so you do, you do not, do you believe that, 
that a member of the CIA can have a favorite? Can they have a political favorite? They obviously favorite? do. I, I mean, I, I, Peter Strzok. I, I'm, I'm sure they I, certainly I, vote. I, I would think that, that, that they certainly mm -hmm. vote as members uh, or as, as citizens. All However, world leaders are politicians. Correct. They know that politicians like to have domestic control over their future. It should not be a surprise to anyone that that a president of the United States might might have a conversation with the leader of a foreign country, and, so, and the issue of so, foreign aid might have been discussed. And Donald Trump is not the first person to have that conversation. Well, Bruce, Democrats did it, liberals did it, Republicans did it, conservatives I, did it. I, Everybody I, did I, it. I don't doubt your assessment, and I have Thank you. I have about as much trust in the in the Central Intelligence Agency as I do in my cats, not to kill the birds flying outside the windows of my home. However, <clears throat> the last time I appeared on this program, you called yourself a law and order guy. I am. So the laws are on the books. So it seems that you're in the position of either saying that the United States should revoke those laws about appealing for political favors from a foreign government or entity. No, I didn't say that. Wait a minute. Well, though. then why would you allow, you why would you grant immunity to President Trump solely not, on the I'm grounds not, that I, perhaps here, here, maybe we can point. speculate that not, other presidents be, have done it, but we clear, don't have proof of it. Point, point of reference because it was addressed to me, and then, we'll go to, then we're going to go to break. I am a law and order guy. And by the way, I support... A, a, an inquiry into, uh, into into the impeachment. I support that. It's okay. If the if there's bad news there, let's know it. Let's let everybody vote on it. Let's then let's go to the polls and after the after the Senate has voted on it, let's find out what we do in a nation a week from uh, in this coming November or a year from November. I'm all for that. But let's back let shortly with more comments. Participate. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. All right, Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Bruno has just said that everyone on the panel tonight could probably go to jail for something. Yeah. Is that what you said? I said that the, the, <laughs> the, law, the law enforcement structure of this country is so unbelievably powerful that if they want to target you and they want to bring you down, they can. And while David is correct that the presidents, presidents have a great deal of power, particularly while they're in office and they have a certain control over the administration of how things are done, it is also true, and we saw this with the Russia investigation and all kinds of other things, 
I've heard Democrats laugh at the term deep state, whereas I think the deep state is so obvious that how can anybody no. laugh at it? Right. And, and these, these whistleblowers, uh, these are apparatchiks that have been there under all these administrations. There's a, they, they have an idea about how they want things to operate. I don't find that they're particularly competent. I'm not one of those law and order worshiping conservatives. I think the FBI... Uh, and the CIA are a pretty good uh, definition of a clown show sometimes, mm. and they've got the track record to prove it. I'm just saying that it's not like it's not like it isn't obvious that everyone across the political spectrum that isn't a populist would love to get rid of Donald Trump. I okay. disagree I with think, the comment about right. the CIA and the FBI. They're they're certainly not perfect, but I would rather live in a country with them than without them. I'd like but, to see them be more honest. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. on that's totally. on both sides. That's of the also spectrum. up to Congress, who has the by power the way, to investigate. <clears throat> them. By the way, on the subject of honesty, then we're going to introduce the guest. But on the subject of honesty, you've heard me say uh, numerous times on this program over the last several years uh, that the national news media is getting to the point where uh, it's almost laughable. If you're not crying about what they do, you, it, it, it's laughable because the, their ability to present anything in a non-biased, uh, non-partisan way is is pretty much out the window. And the, and the bigger they are, the worse they are, in my opinion. Uh, if you did not see, if you did not watch Meet the Press today, look for it on YouTube. Go and look for it because Ron Johnson, the Republican senator from Wisconsin who chairs uh, the Senate Homeland Security Committee, he was on with Chuck Todd. And he brings Chuck Todd on because he wants to do a number on Chuck Todd like he wants to do on most Republicans he brings on the show. But watch the conduct of Ron Johnson, but really watch the conduct of Chuck Todd. He goes bananas. Ron Johnson hands Chuck Todd his lunch big time. And Chuck Todd literally is back on his heels. He is sputtering. He is going off uncontrollably. If you ever doubted that the national news media is biased, if you ever doubted that, watch this program. There's no way in the world. He literally sputters for about 15 minutes. And then later on in the program, when Ron Johnson is gone and he's brought on John Brennan, the former CIA director, who is a disgrace to the CIA directorship and is a disgrace to NBC to put him as a paid analyst. They then gang up on Ron Johnson when Ron Johnson isn't even there to defend himself. And John Brennan pontificates, and he then goes into a tirade where he criticizes Ron Johnson for for ad hominem attacks. He goes into an ad hominem attack against the President of the United States. You've got to watch it. Watch if you if you can't watch the whole show, just watch the segment with Ron Johnson. And if you're listening to us in the state of Wisconsin, I hope you call the senator's office tomorrow and tell him that he did one of the best jobs I've ever seen of a Republican on national television. He would not take the bait from Chuck Todd. And he took nice. that and threw it right back in Chuck Todd's face. Great television. Now, having said that, speaking of great television, we're going to take a moment now to all let all of our guests tonight introduce themselves. And we're going to begin with our favorite liberal tonight, oh. David Maciotra. David, favorite tell liberal. Us you are tonight. Thank you, you very much. Oh, just tonight. No, you're one of our favorites. I'm the only one here. No, you're so. one of our favorites. We have a liberal every every week. All right, great. Thank you, Bruce. I'm, it's always too. a pleasure. Uh, my name is David Masiotra. I'm a writer. Uh, I regularly write for Salon and the American Conservative, so I'm nothing if not interesting and 
journalistically promiscuous. Uh, and I'm currently working on my fifth book, uh, I Am Somebody, Why Jesse Jackson Matters. I've also written a book on Metallica. So when my book on Jackson is published, I can guarantee I'll be the only writer, living or dead, to have written a book on Jesse Jackson and Metallica. But I have total access to Jesse Jackson. He's one of the most insightful and important living Americans. So when that book comes out in about a year, uh, I hope you'll have me back to discuss it. I and I hope everyone will read it. How's Jesse's health? Uh, he's doing well. You know, uh, <clears throat> Parkinson's is a tough disease. And uh, sometimes it's obvious that it's uh, taking its toll on him. Uh, but he works six or seven days a week, and he travels regularly, and uh, he has a seemingly bottomless supply of energy. And he, at the age of 78, he remains an inspiration for that reason among many. And it's often because of his schedule and his refusal to relax and his refusal to uh, surrender his commitment to the issues that he considers of great importance that uh, the Parkinson's is tougher for him to manage than it is for okay. others. Well, regular listeners uh, have heard this before, but uh, I would say, even though Jesse Jackson and I disagree on, uh, on a variety of issues, he's been a guest on this program. I consider him a, a friend of 40-plus years. And I would say, and I've said this on the air, that uh, you know, 50 years from now, uh, Jesse Jackson's going to be in the history books. Mm -hmm. There's very few people who are alive today who are not the presidents of the United States who will be in the history books. And Jesse Jackson will be, and I, I wish him uh, Godspeed in his, in his battle against Parkinson's. Yes, and it's one of the uh, privileges of my life, certainly my professional life, mm -hmm. to have developed this rapport and relationship with him and get his insights and stories firsthand. Good. Jeannie Ives, tell us who you are. A little, little different background than David. Yes, I'm Jeannie Ives. I'm a mother of five children, first of all, and I'm um, a West Point graduate. And I served six years in the Illinois uh, General Assembly as a state rep, and then I ran for governor. Um, I am now a candidate for Congress in the Illinois 6th Congressional District, and it's going to be a race to be watched uh, when um, next year in 2020 that race is uh, a suburban district and uh, Trump didn't win it. Um, the Democrats took it back, so we'll see what happens in that race. We have a great shot at winning um, that, that debate, and I think that it's going to be fun to watch for everybody. It will be. And uh, Peter Garapay, nice to have you with us. Yes, Bruce, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a CPA, an author, a former candidate, ran unsuccessfully for the Democratic nomination for Cook County Treasurer and for City Treasurer of Chicago. Uh, my wife and I live here in the city of Chicago with our two young children, and, uh, yeah, we've got the uh, tax extension deadline key coming up. Yep. And then otherwise, just try to keep up with our children who give us a run for our Do you consider yourself a, 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 a liberal or a moderate or a conservative? I would say, no, more, more of a moderate or more of a down-the-middle Democrat. Um, I'm someone who results and systems matter to me. So I would like to see constraint or, or confines uh, that, that lead to production that actually— Who's your horse for 2020? Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I really like him. Um, I mean, and he's, there are a lot of areas where he, he's shocked us. I mean, he raised over, over $24 million last yeah. quarter, and uh, I like his pragmatism. Um, he's got a tough road, uh, but he's someone who I'm excited to see as part of the national conversation and a member of the party. Bruno Behrens, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Um, 
discretion being the better part of valor, I won't do my Jesse Jackson imitation. Uh, well, although I, I appreciate I, it. I, I will say, though, that uh, to David's point, uh, he's definitely a person to be respected in terms of the, the things that he's stood for and the things that he's mm -hmm. done. So um, good for him and good for having a relationship Thank with you. him. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. My, uh, my name is Bruno Berend. I'm a senior fellow on education issues for the Heartland Institute. Uh, I had a radio show for a little while up in the northern suburbs. I've done some political consulting for some people who have run for Congress and for uh, um, governor here in Illinois. I wrote a book. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not as prolific an author as David. I did write a, a little bit of a vanity pamphlet with a friend of mine on the Illinois Constitution and why we should have a constitutional convention vote in 2008. Um, so the, you know, the book hasn't aged well, but I think one thing that has aged well is that criticizing the Illinois Constitution is um, the, accurate, the more accurate way to go. Does the, uh, a question to you, mm -hmm. David, and to the Democrats, and everybody can weigh in on it. Uh, does Bernie Sanders' heart attack last week, do you think it eliminates him from consideration to be the nominee? David. No, it doesn't eliminate him. But uh, with respect <clears throat> and, and with uh, a position that never forsakes the dignity of some of the older candidates uh, running in the race, I do think we should be mindful of uh, once candidates of either party or other persuasion uh, reach a certain age, their long-term capabilities for performance in a high-stress position. Uh, we've seen Joe Biden, for example, uh, demonstrate signs of aging poorly, both physically and cognitively. Uh, now, Bernie Sanders has had a heart attack uh, at the age of 78. That's something to take quite seriously. So I'm not saying that we should forbid candidates above a certain age to run, but we shouldn't act as if it isn't a factor for our consideration. I'm, I'm, I'm betting that you're not behind Biden or Sanders. No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> he, he makes an interesting point, and I'm not saying that you have to tailor everything to your competition, but President Trump will... You know, I, th I think he will use whatever is at his disposal, um, and he certainly did in 2016 when it came to Secretary Clinton's health and when she fainted getting into one of her cars. Um, so if, as, as, as the primary progresses, um, I think Senator Sanders will have to have an answer for how that is politically addressed. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think it's going to be a key issue, and again, uh, it just reminds everybody that uh, no matter what your plan might be, uh, health, health can can change everybody's plan real quickly, and I think Absolutely. that's the case with uh, Bernie Sanders. I think he was having a difficult time keeping up with Elizabeth Warren, sort of uh, in in a variety of ways. Although not in fundraising, he was raised over twenty five million dollars last quarter. But again, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a campaign issue. We will watch for the rest of the way. Back shortly from Chicago. The body, it is a work of art, an incredible feat of engineering and a beautiful biological mystery. A mystery scientists work tirelessly to unravel. And while many questions remain, we now have new insight into why our immune system has difficulty detecting cancer cells in the body. This new understanding has led to a revolutionary approach called immunotherapy and a new hope for how we'll fight cancer in the future. This is Jimmy Smits, and I'm here with Stand Up to Cancer. Immunotherapy works by boosting our body's natural immune system, empowering it to identify and eradicate many types of cancer cells. 
Speak with your doctor and visit su2c.org slash immunotherapy to see if this approach may be right for you or your loved one. Your body might just be your greatest hope. Go ahead and say it. You can't laugh at Sanford for cheating on his wife and when you're supporting Donald Trump, who's like a serial cheater. I mean, you know... I, no, that's not the deal. The deal is how he did it. Well, I mean, that's Lord. well. That's my question. See, look, here's the deal. Look, that's my on? that's my question to to yeah, both. We're on okay, the air. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop Uh-oh. telling Talk people we're on Sanford. the air. Go oh, ahead, Dave. My right, question to both of you: <laughs> are, are either of you, uh, and, and I and I hate to put you on the spot, but bluffing at all? I mean, Ben Sass said if if the vote was privately and anonymously. Uh, 20 to 30 Republican senators would vote for impeachment. I mean, I don't think do. That that's do, true. Do you, do you really believe well, actually, that Donald no, no, Trump no, no. I, maybe I maybe I do agree is, is a good, competent, qualified leader of our country? No, I th- here's what, the deal. Like There's two different questions here. First is, Those are, two are there questions. 20 You're to correct. 30 feckless Republicans who would throw him under the bus if it were a private vote? Probably, because I've met... My, plenty of my own feckless Republicans <laughs> in the state of Illinois that keep voting for unbalanced budgets and, and tax increases and everything else. So probably but on there Trump. are. Bruno, Bruno's got to go. But the but, but on whether we got to let Bruno talk. No. Well, okay. No, so they liber- should not. He's a libertarian. He's okay. got to talk. They so should not. Everyone's doing a good job. Bruno. Lowest unemployment uh, okay. in 50 years. Answer my question about Trump. Wait, folks. I will. So here's the situation. We have to defer. I have. I have. Always been, a, I've always been a Trump skeptic on the show, and I've been I know a Trump that. skeptic yes. all along. Yes. Uh, and everybody who knows me or what follows me on Facebook knows this. Um, so I am not a Trump super fan. Um, it first of all, Ben Sass is well within his rights to say stuff like that if he wants to. I don't know whether it's true, but it's probably true enough. And Ben Sass deserves credit for being one of the few people who took Trump on and still is left standing. What, what's interesting, if you look at the GOP today, is that Trump has won his battle to take over the party. And the reason they're not going to vote against Trump, and the reason Ben Sass probably won't, won't vote mm-hmm. against Trump, That's right. um, yes. is because there will be just <laughs> enough of a fingernail to say, okay, I don't have to vote against him. Right. And if the Republican Party dumped Trump in an election year, the Trump superfans that now make up easily 50, 55, 60% of the mm-hmm. party, just going to be so mad they'll stay home and then That's we're going to exactly get, right. you know, and then we're going to get the Democrats. And here's my favorite tagline that I have about the Democrats, which is why I don't have to vote for Trump because I live in Illinois, but I might consider voting for him if I lived in a, in a, in a swing state, not because I love Donald Trump or that I think that the earth moves down when he does a push-up, but because <laughs> the, the Democrats, like Joe, let's take Joe Biden, for example. That's Chuck Norris. Joe Biden's uh, first term as president isn't going to be Barack Obama's third term. It's going to be... AOC's first term. The Democrats yes. are That's off exactly the rails. They are, they, right. are, they are way, exactly way too right. far to the left. Hold on. Here's, here's exactly one thing. Exactly right. And, and I, I, I actually yeah. want to pull a page from our local politics where there have been a number of FBI raids lately. And to his credit, Governor Pritzker came out and someone said, well, look, they have not been convicted. You know, we have due process. And Governor Pritzker, and I agree with him, said our elected officials should be held to a higher standard. And there was an op-ed, I think it was an NPR today, and it asked about Secretary Pompeo. And I did not understand uh, how impressive his resume is. First in his class at West Point, Harvard Law, extremely talented person. 
but that code. A cadet will not lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate others who do. We should hold those who have taken that oath and Jeannie yeah, herself to, to, to defend their country and also the values, kind of the, the utmost pinnacle, the vanguard of American values. We should expect no less of those who hold the authority to tax us and to send men and women in to defend our country. And I think we should act, ask just as much of our elected officials. Jeannie. Okay, let me try and tie this both together. First, Bruno, you're absolutely right. If those senators vote against Trump, everybody stays home. Everybody will stay home from the party. They're not. They're just going to be so mad about it. Look, Trump, for many people, including me, was 17 out of 17 when it came out of the primary. But what he has done in terms of policy has been transformative in terms of our economics. It truly has. It's it's absolutely lifted many people into the workforce. It's, you know, lowered people off of food stamps. It's regenerated energy in the stock market. We've had a growing stock market despite some downturns that's always going back up. Here's the deal. Um, we're going to stand by Trump. Trust me, we are. As it goes, and one of the best things he do he is doing is you have multiple federal investigations in Illinois happening right now, and you have multiple Democrats under federal investigation. And oh, by the way, Pritzker's not clean on this. Governor Pritzker is also under federal investigation for property tax fraud. So we've got a problem here. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but Trump and his federal investigators investigators are all over the Democrat Party in the state of Illinois, and I find that fascinating. Question mark or question for our uh, Democrats. How comfortable are you with Adam Schiff as the lead face and voice of the impeachment? David. Uh, Miserable, you know. Why? Sleeping on a bed of stone comfortable (laughs) while it rains. Why? You know. because he, first of all, he wasted so much of his credibility on the Robert Mueller collective yawn Russian collusion report. Second, his communication skills are awful. I mean, some of us have thrown around the name uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the squad. Say what you want about Cortez, but she's a skillful communicator. If somebody with her ability to connect with the American public was leading the charge, I'd have more confidence. That is not Adam Schiff. I would, I would have... The success or the failure of the impeachment inquiry judged on political merit is going to be determined by Congressman Schiff. Just the same way that I don't think Congressman... How about the fairness of it? Well, I mean, it, just just like we said, it is a political inquiry. So Congressman Schiff, I mean, it's the same thing back in, was it 98, Congressman LaHood... I didn't consider it, it, it wasn't him versus President Clinton. I when think the, it was his when the job chairman, to carry the uh, when the chairman of the committee begins an investigation by providing a parody of what the president said, what does that say about the integrity and the smarts of that chairman? I, I think it's also one of those where it's not going to be. Congressman Schiff, who's on trial, and everything will move so quickly. Where I, Peter, and, and, why don't you just call him an idiot for no, doing? I, I, I don't think he's an idiot. No, 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 no. The guy's an idiot. Doing that. Think we're written a better parody for him. Here's the thing, Bruce. I don't know who else. We got to be back. We got to be back. Cars when we. We depend on our drinking water supply daily, but where does that water come from? 
Your water provider encourages you to get to know your local water source so together we can protect and preserve it. The investments we make as a community to protect our water source now ensure we have a sustainable drinking water supply for the future. Visit drinktap.org to learn more. This message is brought to you by the American Water Works Association and your local water provider. Dad, guess what? What? You are going to be a grandfather. That's great. Not too long ago, moments like this with my daughter would have been a challenge. It was a long road for me to find myself again after Vietnam. It was my neighbor Jim, another Vietnam veteran, who finally convinced me that I could still connect with my family and find that fulfilling life I'd lost. And I went for help down at the VA. If I can take that first step after almost 50 years, I know other veterans can too. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. Crooked teeth may embarrass kids whose families can't afford braces. And trying to fix their teeth themselves can make things worse. Luckily, there's Donated Orthodontic Services, a program from the American Association of Orthodontists. For children and teens who qualify and are matched with a volunteer orthodontist, treatment can be life-changing and help them smile with confidence. Learn more at aaoinfo.org. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. The body, it is a work of art, an incredible feat of engineering and a beautiful biological mystery. A mystery scientists work tirelessly to unravel. And while many questions remain, we now have new insight into why our immune system has difficulty detecting cancer cells in the body. This new understanding has led to a revolutionary approach called immunotherapy and a new hope for how we'll fight cancer in the future. This is Jimmy Smits, and I'm here with Stand Up to Cancer. Immunotherapy works by boosting our body's natural immune system, empowering it to identify and eradicate many types of cancer cells. Speak with your doctor and visit su2c.org immunotherapy to see if this approach may be right for you or your loved one. Your body might just be your greatest hope. going to go to calls in just a moment, but let me mention that a little bit later on in this hour, we're going to have Seth Abramson with us. He is author of a book called Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy. That'll give you a clue where Seth is coming from, and we'll hear from him, and you'll be able to offer your comments as well. Uh, but first, let's take a caller that you've been waiting a long time. Bonnie, listening to us in Crown Point, Indiana. Go ahead, Bonnie. Well, hello there, guys. Hi there. Um, okay, so the reason that I think that it's a great idea to require a full vote in the House is twofold. The first reason is if they take a full vote, then the minority, that would be the Republicans, they get the right to subpoena witnesses, get evidence, etc. And then they can find out more information about this 
quote-unquote whistleblower and who has coached him, who prepared his statements, etc. That's the first thing. And, the, and, and what's really great is if, if a full vote is taken, all the Democrats that are in red districts have to go on record for voting for Trump's impeachment, and that will be political suicide. So that's my comment. Well, that's why uh, Nancy Pelosi doesn't like the idea. Uh, again, we're assuming that it's going to be political suicide. Uh, I doubt that it would be political suicide for all all of them. But uh, the other point I, the Democrats uh, referenced earlier, and that is it gives greater representation and greater fairness uh, during the impeachment process. And I think the one thing that, that Jeannie mentioned a little bit earlier on is to have the ability to have as part of your staff uh, a, a, a not a balanced staff, but at least an input from the minority party. It makes sense. And again, we, we go back to the uh, the impeachment of uh, uh, Richard Nixon and Peter Rodino was the man in charge. And for Bill Clinton, it was Henry Hyde who basically was in charge. And the Democrats uh, had an opportunity uh, in each of those cases uh, uh, to to weigh in on, 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 on the process of that investigation and that inquiry. So I think that's exactly what should be done. The big question now, which we talked about just before the break, is whether or not whether we're not, whether or not we have in Adam Schiff, whether we have a a a man who has the the capability of conducting himself in a very nonpartisan way. I mean, he said, uh, told the American people last week that he had not had any contact with the first whistleblower, and then it turned out to be the case that he did. Several weeks before it became public, he had that story. So, again, he's told us a lie there. He was the guy that reminded us that he had evidence that was going to prove the conspiracy with the Russians. He told that story on national television for well over eight or nine months. That proved to not be true. And then when he gets this starring role to open a hearing, you know, he gives a parody of a conversation. He doesn't talk about the conversation itself. So, to me, the, Adam Schiff has three strikes and he's out. Uh, he is very partisan. And I don't think that's what we want right now, uh, even though I guess there's some people would say the Democrats have the votes. M maybe it's just Democrats that vote for impeachment. Would that be a good idea? D d would you be opposed to that? Well, what, what I wanted to say, you know, talking about Adam Schiff, if I could give an ex-cathedra pronouncement here. Uh, what's unfortunate about this is we elected a reality television star as president, and now he's pulled us all into the apprentice boardroom. And it seems as if every day we're living in under this tyranny of the small and the petty and the narcissistic. And while we're, and this is no disrespect to you, I understand why we have to have this conversation tonight, but while we're facilitating these conversations about impeachment and Adam Schiff lying and Donald Trump lying, and our political system becomes paralyzed by this dysfunction. And meanwhile, we have millions of Americans without adequate health care, some of them dying for lack of insulin. We have millions of Americans going to dysfunctional, disgraceful schools and graduating functionally illiterate. We have millions of Americans who have less than $500 in their savings. You know, they're, they're one mishap or misfortunate away from financial ruin. We have uh, so environmental who's, who's problems. Who's we have. It, David? It's the fault of our, the entire dysfunction of our political system. But what I, I, I think you're right. Yes. But, the, but you, 
that's nothing you can fix quickly. Um, no, mean, of course not. Donald Trump I'm, is a is a symptom. He is not. Yes. And and what what I think is fascinating about the things that David just listed off. I mean, like. Uh, this is actually a pretty nice panel here, and if the four of us, we have two Democrats, mm-hmm. you have two Republicans, and, if, and you could vote as the tiebreaker, Bruce, if all of us were given the ability to run the country for four years, the five of us would probably be able to solve the problems, doing some conservative things, some liberal things. We'd probably do a pretty good job, but I don't think I can get that passed quickly. So <laughs> the, what, what's, what's, would we what, be elected? What, what's <laughs> interesting about all of this is that I think Donald Trump is like the one person, like if... And he set things up in a certain way, and it's it, not necessarily all of it is his fault. But if, if Pelosi and Schumer and the f- two Republican leaders wanted to sit down and bang out some stuff to really be fixed, I actually think Trump, for all of his braggadocio and all of his character flaws, would be much more likely to actually solve a problem than the tepid kind of like Romneyism and Bushism that I actually think there'd be a solution here. But I think that the minute... Pelosi and Schumer even try to talk to Trump about some solution for insulin prices, let's say, which incidentally, Trump is probably much more likely to take a harder line on pharmaceuticals That's than right. any other GOP person out there. That's right. He'd be cru- the, those two leaders would be crucified by mm-hmm. the hardcore left who will not let anyone in their party talk to anybody any anything about to Donald Trump about anything because they just don't want anything to pass. That is actually the that's one hundred percent the truth. This is full obstruction. Once they took over the Congress in twenty eighteen. Now listen, this has been a this has been Trump who's been attacked since November 9th, twenty sixteen, relentlessly attacked. Remember the just the tears flowing. Hillary couldn't even give a you know a, a, a concession speech. She you know the fireworks didn't go off in New York City for her or anything like that. They could not believe it. And ever since then, they have been on the bandwagon to get rid of the president. And he sat through that with his Republican Congress. And what did he do? He did regular, regulatory reform, which is still continuing. He did tax cuts. He did the USMCA, which still the Democrats refused to put uh, up for a vote and actually pass, though we have it in place. He's done so much good on the economic front, the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, right? And you've had all this occur, and then what happened? They got control in 2018, and they will not let anything happen. And to Trump's credit, honestly, he looked at Pelosi and said, you, you know, after the, collu- the Mueller report comes out, no collusion, no obstruction, despite whether you believe it or not, the official Mueller report, that is what occurred, no collusion, no um, um, Uh, What am I? Sorry. Sorry. No obstruction, no collusion, obstruction. But here's the point. After that, they still would not let it go. They would not let it go. They still wanted to impeach him and inquire more. Nadler was still after him. And that's what Trump said. You think I'm going to work on infrastructure with you when you're still investigating me? You had your 22 months of a report, $35 million, 500 people subpoenaed, thousands of pages of documents. You had everything to your avail, and you did not do it. And so why would he? Why would he work with these people when all they want to do is investigate him? He does want to get things done. In fact, he'd probably get things done. He'd probably get things done on drug control. Wait a minute. He would probably get things done. On, on price if, controls if for drugs were, that maybe are, isn't even a capitalist because he's not to make a deal. He's not going to. They're not working with him. Take another call. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Crooked teeth may embarrass kids whose families can't afford braces, and trying to fix their teeth themselves can make things worse. Luckily, there's Donated Orthodontic Services, 
a program from the American Association of Orthodontists. For children and teens who qualify and are matched with a volunteer orthodontist, treatment can be life-changing and help them smile with confidence. Learn more at aaoinfo.org. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain, and reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit moveforwardpt.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Come on, back in Chicago. It is wrong. And, uh, Peter, before the break, you were going to make a point following up on Jeannie, and then we're going to move on. So Jeannie mentioned in terms of uh, the reluctance for the president to move on infrastructure at this point. I think, I mean, and he doesn't, as far as I as know. As long as they're investigating. He, he doesn't listen to advisors. I mean, because I think you've seen the turnover there, and he's going to do what he's going to do. And that was, you know, I, I think was that... Let, let Trump be Trump, it was Corey Lewandowski or whoever said that, if he wanted to really take the wind out of the impeachment inquiry, you introduce the most robust infrastructure bill that no one could vote against who then has to run for re-election. But he won't get out of his own way. And I think that's what's so troubling if you are someone in that administration who believes in the party, who believes in our, in our government – and you say, look, we, I'm here to get something done. I could make a lot more money in the private sector if you would do that. That would be a legacy, particularly for someone who does develop real estate. But there is not going to be anything tangible at the end of his time in office. He will continue to debate on the media rather than put forth legislation that it would be politically damaging for someone, even of the opposite party, to vote against. How can you negotiate fairly with Pelosi, AOC, uh, Sean Caston, you, you name it, Schiff, Nadler. How can you negotiate he with those two when they are at him? So enticing, but no, but, but they are wants. they are at him. They are at him. And all he said is, "Why don't you do the first step? Why don't you take up the USMCA? Why don't you pass that trade agreement?" But whether and it's the speaker, Representative Ocasio Cortez, or Representative Caston, their primary job is to get reelected. And if they then would say, look, yes, he put forth this that would have is, pumped in two point two trillion in this economy, he won't do it the against his posi- own best interest. The president's position, which I asked you at the beginning of the broadcast, David, and that is, I think Peter. if you ask the average American who's not, you know, a member of either particular mm-hmm. party, but they're out there, they're they're watching this story. If if they hear that the president, if Members of Congress have to vote yes, proceed with the investigation, or close the investigation down. I think most voters think that's a fair question to ask of their member of Congress. I don't, I don't think they see that as an attempt to embarrass anybody or not embarrass anybody. Does everybody agree with that, or do you, just, or, or, or do you believe that they are thinking like Nancy Pelosi and they see it as a trick? Just to put some Democrats behind the eight ball. Framed that way, of course I agree with you. And I don't. And I'm not. And I'm not saying what Pelosi's doing or what she's not doing. Who knows what she's going to do this next week or the next few days? We'll have to see what happens. Well, we got but another yeah, whistleblower, maybe a, more. Well, and so let's just see what happens. I just, I just, Trump could lose under very many scenarios. 
Trump could win under very many scenarios. It's going to be another one of those elections that's probably more similar to 2016 than anything else. We'll have to see what happens, but I just don't see this taking him down. Joe in LBJ in Austin, Texas, listening to us tonight. Go ahead, Joe. you got a question or a comment. Yes. Well, I have a comment. I was listening to your show shortly before 7 when you um, mentioned you go to YouTube and look at Chuck Todd finally loses it on the air with Ron Johnson. Yes, okay. I did that, and it starts in about the middle, I think, of the argument. Yes. It goes one minute and 42 seconds, and then a, a gentleman comes on by the name of Brian Cohen talking about this is just another DOP play. And it is the most biased thing I've ever seen on on YouTube with Chuck Todd. Mm-hmm. And there was there was nothing else about the interview. It's just this this gentleman ranting and raving about okay. the GOP. So maybe they cut it. So it can yeah it's, it it's conceivable that they cut it. I mean I, I don't I don't have access to it right now. But usually you can go and you can watch NBC's. You can watch Meet the Press. Maybe they you know maybe they chose to cut it today because it was so embarrassing. You know and then they, then the interview with John Brennan came along and that was that was way over the top. Listen, yeah, let, let me you ask. Need to look at it because you won't believe the, how biased. Well, that, that was my point. It's a very biased conversation. But uh, thank you very much for your call. I want to ask uh, everybody this question. The president said this week the Bidens are stone cold corrupt. Are Republicans? Do you believe that, Bruno? Well, I believe every single one of them has been corrupt for the last fifty years. So that's not a hard question. But I realize that that's kind of a cop out catch all. Um, you know, what I think has so, been so fascinating about these last few years, and it's not, it, was, it was going on before Trump, but it's gotten so much worse, is that we all live in our own. Uh, each, there's, there's a red universe and a blue universe, and the facts from the other universe just don't matter to us. So, of course, you talk to a Democrat, and everything Hunter Biden and Joe Biden did doesn't matter, no matter what, because it's, there's, it's nothing, Burger. There's nothing there. But this whistleblower, this whistleblower is going to take him down. He's going down, I'm telling you. It's, it's all nonsense. I think a lot of stuff that Trump has probably done, I don't know what the, this book coming up is, is about, but I think a lot of stuff that Trump has done is probably bad or wrong. And of course I think that Joe Biden, who seems to be one of those old-time political hacks similar to like Michael Madigan or your old-school kind of guys, I'm sure he got his son a $50,000 a month sinecure where the guy's doing absolutely no work for nothing. Of course he did. And of course he probably went to China and got him another sinecure, which is the other thing coming up. But that doesn't matter in the blue universe. Only the whistleblowers let's, 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 go the, says, right. let's go to the blue universe. I'm, I'm in the blue universe. And, you're the, yeah, you're the liberal portion of the blue universe, which the, normally the, you, would be, you would be appalled by that. The, the Biden story is a, is a perfect illustration of the repulsive and destructive corruption that has come to characterize the American political and economic experience. And there are, you know, I have students, I also teach at Indiana University Northwest, I have students going into debt to pay for a bachelor's degree in the hope that they can find suitable employment subsequent to graduation. Uh, I have students who they don't know how they're going to get adequate health care. 
Uh, I once had a student well, who. What do they say? I, I, my my well, point to yeah, this. Yeah, my yeah, point right. to this before I give before I inundate you with examples yeah. of the precarity in which so many working class and middle class Americans live is that when people turn on the television or read the newspaper and read about Joe Biden setting up his loser, pathetic son with this lucrative job, uh, it outrages them because they realize that they have to work hard, they have to chuck and jive just to, okay. just to get by, right. and yet there's this corporate political nexus of, yep. of connection and favor and wealth. Now let's let's graft. Okay, that's 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 the liberal perspective. And 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 by the way, I think that many people would agree with that. Jeannie was shaking her head. You make a good. No, I'm nodding my head. I agree with him. Absolutely. Hunter Biden should have just gotten a job like anybody else. Well, you 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 make a good you make a good (laughs) point in terms of the red universe and blue universe, which could easily be red echo chamber, blue echo chamber. And I think if you were to almost strip these down to anonymous figures, and you say. You know, candidate A has a son who's doing business with Ukraine. Is that appropriate? Say, well, then candidate B has two Is sons it? who run a multinational organization. Peter, let's deal with the fact. No, no, no. You no, have the vice president of the United States. The former vice president. The former vi- well, I'm talking so about what he did. I'm talking when about he, he was, did. at the okay. time he was. The, did let it. me finish. You have the vice president of the United States. Barack Obama is is his is, is his leader. Okay, he is given the responsibility of going to the Ukraine and giving the job and giving the responsibility of going to China to represent the United States. He's the point person there. And in one of these countries in Ukraine, there's a company that is being investigated as a corrupt company. And your son, while you're the vice president of the United States, he sits on their board and they pay him fifty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, you don't want now, to die you, on this hill. Are, 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 no, 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 no. Are you We had a, by the, the way, we had, a, we had a liberal here last <laughs> week. He saw nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. I I'm, I'm, I'm see something wrong with that. The optics are terrible. <laughs> Thank the you. optics are terrible. Now, if there was criminal activity, Wait a minute. That, didn't I don't say that. But but I, but in terms of the optics, I agree. The optics are terrible when you have someone with that kind of. We had a Democrat kind of, last week who couldn't even say the optics were bad. Oh, the optics okay, are terrible. Bruce, Genie. I'm sorry. This is absolutely corrupt. First of all, Hunter Biden, admin discharge from the U.S. Army, or I'm sorry, Navy, Maybe. the Navy. Okay, for cocaine, he get, he pisses hot for cocaine. I mean, he should have had an other than honorable discharge at a minimum. What does that mean? He shouldn't be flying around with any. Vice president, I don't care if it's his if it's his father. He shouldn't get near him. You have that kind of charge against you. You're not getting near the president. I guarantee you. Guess why? Because when you want to go and even just do a meet and greet, even if it's a political thing, they're checking you out. They're finding out who you are. And he's flying off, and then he comes back with a hot shot job, and it sits on a board, and then he comes comes back from China with 1.5 billion dollar investment, and he knows nothing about what he's doing. It's completely corrupt. It's ridiculously corrupt, and and the fact that they won't go after him now, I think this is this is a travesty. I wouldn't want. I would not. I would. I would not want Donald Trump to come over to my house for dinner 
nor any of his derelict kids, nor would I want Hunter Biden over at my house for okay. dinner. Well, and, yet, and, and yet, <laughs> and, <laughs> none of them are going, and, David. And, and yet, <laughs> we have to d- debate whether or not these people are going to go into the White House. Some of them are already there. No, no, no. It's, but Hunter it's Biden tragic for was, our country. Hunter Biden was not elected. He was no, given but he this would be as part a of the first privilege. family he if was Joe Biden won. Second family, yeah. It's ridiculous. You're right. You're right. And, and, but, but all, I, and all the stories that we've heard for the yeah, last three years about the, the Trump, about the Trump children, we will hear it again about Hunter Biden because we already know he's got a past. We'd like to know a little bit more about it, but it doesn't look like a very, it doesn't look like a squeaky clean uh, record. And again, the Democrats, they always like to be squeaky clean. When we come back, a book about Donald Trump that you may or may not like. None of us would hire Hunter Biden. You. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, In this segment of the program, we're going to be joined by uh, author Seth Abramson. And uh, Seth has written a book called Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy. And Seth joins us from the University of Wisconsin. Seth, nice to have you with us tonight. Is he not there? He's not there. Well, I guess uh, you're not going to be there. Never mind. Okay, well, the you may join us. The spooks got him. Yeah, the spooks got him. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back him. to something that, that, that we were talking about a little bit earlier <laughs> on the program, and, and that is the difference of opinion we have from the right side of the table, from at least one portion of the left side of the table, and, and that is the degree to which uh, the President of the United States should trust the CIA and the FBI. Mm-hmm. I think most people would agree that in in a in a perfect world, it would be nice if the president of the United States could trust the honesty and the integrity of that of those branches of government. Does everybody agree with that? Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now, in your view, or or I think in the president's view, the president during the campaign made statements that he did not believe in the wisdom, the almighty wisdom of of the CIA. He referenced the bad information they gave to George Bush, which led to to the war in Iraq. So uh, he was on record of saying that. He was on record as saying that he wanted a, he wanted a new deal with the, with the Russians. He didn't think we should automatically be at each other's throats. So the American people knew of these things. So when he becomes the president-elect of the United States, how, how should he have gone about trying to separate out from the FBI 
and the CIA, information coming in from them through James Comey and the, the head of the CIA at the time. How does, he, how does he separate out information received from them when you have already challenged the integrity of them during the campaign? Jeannie, I want to start with you. Well, we also have the Defense Intelligence Agency that yes. he can rely on. We have the National Security Agency that he can rely on. So you have other ways that you can triangulate the information that you're receiving about whether or not the the, the information that they've provided for you, the CIA or the FBI, is accurate or not. But, I mean, he was right to be suspect. But they had been challenged as well Mm -hmm. by Trump because the other agencies that you referenced were part of the group that had had warned of Russian involvement. Look, it did not take very long where you had the first time where he, where private conversations that he had, and I thought it was with Australia, that were leaked, right? Remember that? So he's he is already very early in his administration not able to trust some of those folks. So, you know, the minute that that happens, you have to be very, very suspicious about everything that comes before you. So I think that uh, from the get-go... He knew that there were people in that administration well, that were against him. It would help, him. however, if, if Trump was a, a more studious man, to put it politely. He's not. I mean, but we don't know that. We get reports that he's not reading his daily briefings. But he, he was elected with us knowing How do we know that? all yes. of that. And yes. so, I mean, I would think it's the same way if you criticize the FDA – I would still have comfort going to the grocery store and buying produce, even if I have openly criticized them, because I would believe that there is a professional commitment to those who have chosen that field that is more important than my criticism, even if I am on that pedestal. You're talking leadership. If he was a more astute... Intellectually well, disciplined leader. At the CIA and the FBI. But again, what, he what, could separate what, the fact and fiction... But what we're, the machinations but, from no, the, but you have to rely about, on intelligence what, what we're reports talking about, because you can't gather them yourself, right. folks. What we're talking about now is we're talking about what many Americans believe, at least those that supported Donald Trump. They believe there has been a, an ongoing conspiracy against Donald Trump. Our guest right now, Seth Abramson, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, Seth, it's nice to have you with us. Uh, because you have written a book called Proof of Conspiracy, which, again, probably would have got 100% of the people saying, oh, that sounds a good idea because I believe in conspiracy. Uh, Your subtitle, however, is How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy, which sort of gives away uh, at least where you're going in this book. Let me ask, when you began the book, did you have this as a con- conclusion already, or did the conclusion and the subtitle come as you learned information? Actually, what happened is I wrote a book in 2018 called Proof of Collusion, and during the course of writing that book, I discovered that there was a substantial part of the story of Trump's international collusion that I wasn't really covering in that book that involved the Middle East. And I started investigating that issue. I spent about a year curating hundreds and hundreds of major media reports around the country and going back decades. I approached the question as an attorney and as someone trained as a criminal investigator. So it wasn't I researched the book or as I wrote the book, my responsibility to consider how people might receive it from a political standpoint, but to think about the investigation that had been done in criminal investigative work, but also in investigative journalism. It suggested there was, in fact, a six-nation a six deal prior to the 2016 election that uh, 
uh, lead to collusion between not just the Trump campaign in Russia, but also with Israel, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Egypt, and the United Arab Emirates. Okay. So your book goes well beyond uh, U.S. involvement with Russia. Your book deals with the, the, the beginning of your story basically goes back to Saudi Arabia at the core. Explain the, the nations that you believe are involved in this conspiracy and how did they bring Donald Trump, the candidate, into that conspiracy? Well, and just so I can be very clear, this isn't a question of what I believe. I don't think what I believe is material. This is a question of what investigative journalists from around the world have discovered, what criminal investigations have uncovered, and what they've uncovered. And this is reported in major media outlets in the United States and around the world, is that in the fall of 2015, there was a meeting on the Red Sea on a yacht that was convened by George Nader, a future Trump advisor and now a federal witness and defendant. And that meeting on the Red Sea in the fall of 2015 that George Nader convened included the leaders of Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Egypt, who were looking for an American politician to partner with to advance a very particular design that they had that also involved and Israel. And what was developed at that point was what is referred by, frankly, Michael Flynn himself as the grand bargain, which sometimes calls it the Middle East Marshall Plan, which involved the ripping up of on Russia by the United States. Seth, Seth I'm going to... By the United States. Seth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you here. Uh, we have a very bad uh, audio connection uh, on this Skype interview. I don't want to. I don't want you to miss the the relevance of your comments. So what I'm going to suggest, and my engineer is listening, and the director is listening to this. We're doing it live on the fly now. I'm going to end the Skype conversation now because of the bad quality. We're going to call you back on the good old fashioned telephone in a couple of minutes. We'll continue the conversation on the phone because I don't want your comments to be lost. Okay. Thank you. So we're going to end the Skype. And, uh, uh, Andrew, let's uh, get back on the phone and let's get him. As soon as you get him on the phone, let me know and we'll go back uh, to an uh, old-fashioned interview uh, like that. Um, So his premise goes back to something about the Middle East Saudi Arabia. It it begins with a conspiracy involving uh, the Saudis and the Emirates and and Israel. And uh, basically it deals uh, with an attempt uh, to really uh, defang Iran. This is a conspiracy that begins to, to really go going after Iran and they need a they need someone who is going to uh, uh, take on the who's going to be able to convince the Russians uh, to uh, to you know back away from their support of Iran. What's in, in the conspiracy campaign, in that then? What's the, well, the conspiracy? conspiracy is when they engage Donald Trump, uh, he gets involved in this because of past deals that he has had with this with this group of people. That's the essence of uh, the summary. Let's go back. Seth, are you back with this on the phone? Yes, I am. Hi. Okay, good. This is much better. Uh, the question is, uh, uh, let, let's bring Donald Trump. How does Donald Trump fit into this group of, uh, uh, of, of those from the Middle East uh, who, had, who, who had gathered together to basically try to defang Iran? Sure. So in the summer of 2015, uh, Donald Trump did not have a foreign policy. That was the point at which Michael Flynn entered into his orbit in August of 2015. Mm -hmm. The two met, and shortly thereafter, Donald Trump had a comprehensive foreign policy in the Middle East 
that was based upon what Michael Flynn had been working on in the spring of 2015 and the summer of 2015, which was this grand bargain involving Russia, Israel, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain, and Egypt, specifically, as I mentioned before, the ripping up of the Iran nuclear deal, the ripping up of Russia sanctions, but also importantly, a joint U.S.-Russia nuclear deal that would lead to the building of nuclear reactors all across the Middle East. And that became Donald Trump's foreign policy in its summit substance beginning in the fall of 2015. And what was Donald Trump supposed to do as part of his uh, piece of the bargain? Well, he was supposed to do, Bruce, exactly what he did. He was supposed to rip up the Iran nuclear deal, okay. even if Iran was in compliance, which is what he did. He was okay. supposed to seek to rip up Russia sanctions, which we learned from The New York Times was, in fact, his plan when he entered office. And he was only stopped from doing so by career officials at the State Department that put a stop to it. But since that time, he has not, in fact, leveled against Russia all the sanctions that he could have. He has actually dragged his feet at every possible chance. So there's no question that there were parts of this deal in terms of what Donald Trump was supposed to deliver that he was not able to deliver on. But all of the evidence from major media reporting indicates that he did deliver on what he could. He tried to deliver on what he could not and that he received benefits, including, as we know from the Mueller report, negotiating a multi-billion dollar real estate deal with the Kremlin in the fall of 2015 as he was telling American voters that he had no ties to the Russians. Now, also, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, Jared Kushner. He has an integral role to play uh, in the charges that you're making. And again, uh, we thank you for joining us tonight. The name of the book is Proof of Conspiracy. Seth Abramson joins us from the University of Wisconsin. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago, and uh, we're joined by Seth Abramson. And uh, Seth, one thing in the book, if you want to elaborate, is that uh, in the in the Mueller report, which looked into the relations between uh, the Trump and Donald Trump and Russia, it really didn't get into any other countries. Is that correct? So, so the, what you're talking about was not investigated by Mueller at all. Uh, that's partly true. On page 10 of volume one of the Mueller report, Robert Mueller indicates that all information that touched on counterintelligence was actually reserved and held back from the Mueller report and instead referred to the FBI counterintelligence division. So I suspect, based upon New York Times and Washington Post and Wall Street Journal reporting, that much of what we are discussing now, in fact, was investigated by Robert Mueller, but then it was referred to the FBI counterintelligence division and not included in the report per page 10 of volume one. So we may hear more about that at some point in the future? 
Absolutely. We found about a month ago, we learned that Adam Schiff had for the first time in two years actually gotten a briefing from the FBI Counterintelligence Division. Adam Schiff, I should say, and the rest of the House uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. I'm not sure why it took two years for the FBI Counterintelligence Division to bring the House up to speed on what had been referred to it by Robert Mueller, but we do know that that briefing happened. We understand that there's been, I believe, at least one additional briefing since then. So eventually some sort of report should be issued either by the FBI or by the HPSCI. And you also, uh, in the book, you referenced that uh, the famous, uh, infamous Steele dossier, uh, that according to your investigation, there's certain aspects of the, of the report, of the uh, dossier, that were accurate. What was accurate in the Steele dossier? Well, I think the important thing to note first is that nothing in the dossier has been conclusively disproven. There have been many articles in major media about the elements of the uh, Trump-Russia investigation that ended up conforming with the, uh, the Steele dossier. For instance, the role that Michael Cohen played in outreach between Trump and Russia, the role that Paul Manafort played, the way that certain payments were made to Russian agents, the fact that there were meetings in neutral cities in European countries between Trump agents and agents of the Kremlin. I mean, the list really goes on and on. There are certainly some elements of the Steele dossier that are still being investigated, that we still don't know if they're correct or not. But the important thing to remember for those who attacked the Steele dossier is that when uh, Christopher Steele gave over the dossier, he indicated that he believed because it was raw intelligence that still had to be processed, that about 75, perhaps 70 percent of it was accurate, 30 percent of it, as with all raw intelligence, when looked at more, might be determined to be inaccurate. But that's how intelligence works. And I do think we found that about 70 percent, possibly more of the Steele dossier, has proven to be accurate. And the funding of the dossier, uh, do you deny that it came from uh, Democratic sources? What I believe was testified to before Congress by Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS is that he hired Christopher Steele, who worked for Orbis, as an independent contractor. And at the time that Christopher Steele did his work, he had no idea who his client was or who he was doing research for. Fusion GPS, prior to working with Christopher Steele uh, as someone who was distantly being paid by a Democratic law firm, had, as you know, Bruce, been working with the Republicans. So, in fact, much of what Christopher Steele came across that ended up in his dossier, he actually determined, while he was, perhaps unbeknownst to him, being paid by Republican sources. Thereafter, he was then paid by Democratic sources. During that period when he was uh, allegedly being paid by Republican sources, do we know uh, specifically how that derogatory information about Donald Trump was going to be used? Again, there was a 17-person primary going on. Was there someone in that primary that was behind uh, this uh, investigation? Well, the payments were being made by the Washington Free Beacon, a right-wing publication. Uh, it's believed that there were individuals who may have been behind the funding of that effort who supported other candidates. Mm-hmm. Major media reporting suggests that at least one of the candidates they were supporting was Jeb Bush. We have a report in the right-wing Daily Caller that says that in the early fall of 2015, not 2016, but 2015, there was, in fact, discussion in Republican circles about potential compromise involving Donald Trump at the Ritz Moscow Hotel in November of 2013. And again, this was information reported by the Daily Caller that Christopher Steele derived from his MI6 related sources in Russia in 2015 while he was being paid by Republicans. 
So what is is this the, the is this Seth is this was this, in fact funded by Republicans? Okay, so this is the sexual uh, salacious stuff in the hotel room with prostitutes. That part of the Correct. story. That's the allegation. Okay, a, a, a question. We have been discussing here uh, on the program before you joined us how the American people, how are they supposed to believe the CIA, the FBI, when many Americans in this country who may be supporting of Donald Trump or, uh, you know, old old progressives from uh, the 60s, they don't trust the intelligence community. As a journalist, as a reporter, as, a, as, as an academic, how do you answer the question right now and, and how do you deal with the fact that if you pick up something from the intelligence community, how how you know it's true or not true? Well, I was a public defender for many years, so I did battle with the government over Americans' constitutional rights every single day for years and years. So I'm as circumspect as anyone is about law enforcement. What I would note is that the Republican Party has a roughly 50-year history of being supportive, broadly speaking, in its rhetoric of law and order. I think it's very interesting that suddenly when law enforcement is reporting out information that Republicans are unhappy with, there appears to be a wholesale assault on the CIA and the FBI. You mentioned progressives from the 60s who have long been critical of law enforcement. I think they also should continue to be consistent and should have that skepticism. Now, the way that skepticism is addressed is that what you have with an uh, investigation of this size is that you have many redundancies built in. You have people checking other people's work. You have many investigators. Seth, just on Mueller's team alone, you had 40. Seth, we're out of time. I've got to uh, say thank you very much, other than just to summarize that when we talk about law enforcement, I think a lot of people understand what law enforcement is. When you sort of throw it all in with the intelligence community, it sort of mucks it up. They know the cop on the street. They know the uniformed officer. They know the FBI. But again, when you're talking about intelligence, uh, it's a little more than just uh, law enforcement. It's sort of the intelligence community. Listen, thanks very much. The title of the book is Proof of Conspiracy, How Trump's International Collusion is Threatening American Democracy. Seth, for, thank you for joining us. And also thanks to our guests around the table this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. And thanks to Andrew Marshall and also to Fritz Goldman for their assistance in the production of this program. Until next week, good night from Sh- Chicago. Crooked teeth may embarrass kids whose families can't afford braces. And trying to fix their teeth themselves can make things worse. Luckily, there's Donated Orthodontic Services, a program from the American Association of Orthodontists. For children and teens who qualify and are matched with a volunteer orthodontist, Treatment can be life-changing and help them smile with confidence. Learn more at aaoinfo.org. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. 
I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Matt always knew he wanted to be a doctor. That's why he makes the most of every day. To study before breakfast. To work hard. To do whatever was necessary to achieve his goal. He found an answer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog and new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org.